We'll pick up in verse 15 in just a moment. This happens to be one of those passages that people often will reference who have a disdain for God's word. And the reason that they will reference it is it contains a supposed contradiction because knowing history, at least in a little bit, they recognize that there was only one high priest at any one given time, and yet there are two high priests that are named. And all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all contain this bit of information that two men are called high priest at the same time. Uh, and I want to set the stage for you, and it helps you in understanding this particular passage if... Um, President Barack Obama were to come into the church today, we would call him Mr. President, amen? Because that is an office that one obtains for life. And while we have a sitting president, we also call all of our former presidents Mr. President. We do the same thing with Speaker of the House. We do the same thing with many honorary titles. And here in this particular passage, you're going to find two men who are called the high priest. And in this case, you have Annas, who is actually the father-in-law of the current high priest, Caiaphas. And the current high priest actually oversees the temple itself. But the former high priest actually contained, did some of the business in the church. So one can understand very quickly, if you're in charge of the business enterprise of the church and Jesus walks into your house and turns over the money changers tables with which you are making a living, you might be a little upset. That guy is Annas, and he holds the honorary title also of high priests. So in that sense, there were two high priests that are in our story. Verse 15 here in John chapter 18, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, which is most likely John, John never uses his own name in his gospel. He, he says the disciple whom Jesus loved, and here uh, another disciple, but it's likely John. And now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. And I want you to begin tracking with me this three-step process that every person in this room who loves the Lord Jesus ought to be very aware of. Because this is a place that you are going to be tested. Because you see, really, Jesus is not actually on trial here. Pilate's going to be on trial. Peter's going to be on trial. Annas will be on trial. Caiaphas will be on trial. The Sanhedrin will be on trial. The Roman soldiers that will crucify Jesus, they're all on trial because Jesus is actually innocent. But everyone else is guilty. But they don't know that. And so Peter is now making some choices that you yourselves will absolutely be making, maybe even today. Because you're going to get asked the exact same questions that Peter is asked in this passage. Notice how it continues. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. And then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. 
couple things you need to know. The word child used here, when it's referenced in the New Testament, always means a child who is under age. One who's generally around 12 years old could possibly, in some tidbits of Jewish culture, maybe be less than 14, but no more than 14 years old. This is a little girl. This is the same Peter who has just a few moments ago pulled out his sword and said, I will never deny you, let me prove it. I'm going to try and cut off this guy's head, but I'm going to cut off his ear instead. Brave, boisterous, Christ-affirming Peter is now denying the Lord Jesus to a little servant girl. But I want you to see the process whereby this actually comes into Peter's life. He's already walked where he shouldn't walk because the Lord Jesus, according to the other Gospels, Matthew in specific, told the disciples, don't follow me, you need to go. So they're walking the wrong direction, amen? They should have been walking away. Jesus had sent them into the world, look, it's going to get tough, I'm going to die, you need to go. Look at what it further says. And now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter, check this out, stood with them and warmed himself. First he's walking, now he's standing. Verse 19, and the high priest asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. And Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard what I said to them. And indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus spoke the truth. Imagine that happening in a court of law. No charges are presented. No indictment is made. No witnesses are brought forth. Nothing that's been said proves that there's any type of guilt on your part and you get punched in the face. How long do you think that judge would stay in the bench? Not very long. And actually it was illegal during this time as well. And then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. And so you can see there's two high priests, which supposedly can't happen unless you know that a former high priest, who happens to be the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the actual high priest, would also be called the high priest. And now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. And therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. There's the second time. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied him again, and immediately the rooster crowed. I want you to track with me for a moment. It's very important, and, and again, to put it into perspective, that you watch this 
from all four gospel authors, what we call the synoptic gospels, the gospels that should be brought together, because Peter and John have traveled with Jesus, even though they were told not to. So we have also Matthew and Mark who did what Jesus said, and they walked away. And so you might expect that Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel would contain some details that are not in this story because they're not with Jesus at this point in time. But they're going to hear these things from a little bit different perspective. And what we find there is that Peter not only has denied the Lord, he not only has been confronted confronted by not one but two little girls, he's been confronted by a relative of Malchus whose ear he lopped off, And each of those times, exactly as Jesus has said, Peter denies that he knows the Lord. Now you're probably saying, well, I would never do that. Really. How about when you're at work and you are reading your Bible and your supervisor comes in and you quickly grab it off the table and stick it in the drawer because you don't want them to know you're a Jesus freak. Or how about when you're talking to that person, if you're here and you're single today, let me be real and very clear with you, the first thing that any prospective spouse should know about you is that you love the Lord Jesus. Amen? You see, but what do they usually know? I have a really nice car. Wow, you're really cute. No, the first thing Because scripture says we're not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So the first thing, the first question, ladies, if you're looking for a man that God's called you to marry, the first question should be, do you love Jesus? Men, same thing. Why? Because you are a Christian first and everything else is second. That's the way it's supposed to be. See, so you actually are going to get the opportunity to answer this question yourself frequently and often. But what happens, and we can see it, and it's a, it's a picture that you need to read Matthew's gospel to also understand, because what Jesus had told the disciples, and very specifically Peter, because he came to Peter and found Peter sleeping. And so he says to Peter, In verse 40 of Matthew 26, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you be led into temptation. Peter, you need to be praying right now, not sleeping. And a lot of the church is sleeping when it should be praying. And consequently, we fall into the trials, the tests, the temptations, even the traps of the enemy, much like Peter does here. And the path of it is found in a single verse. You can turn to Psalm 1 if you'd like. But there are three steps. You see, because Peter is gradually moving to a place that he never thought he would go. Peter did not wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I'm just going to be carnal today. But he set the stage by doing three very simple things that every one of us need to really be careful of. Three steps to carnality. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man, and notice these are all spoken in the negative. 
Blessed is the man, in other words, a way to not be blessed is to not do these things. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. What did Peter do? He walked in the counsel of the ungodly. He starts doing exactly what Jesus told him not to do, and he walks with a bunch of people that he's not even supposed to be associating with. He's walking in the counsel of the ungodly. What's the second step? Nor stands in the path of sinners. What's Peter now doing? He's standing with the very people who are trying Jesus. And then what does he do? And again, you need to read exactly what the gospel authors tell us. Luke reminds us that Jesus is being tried. Peter denies Jesus And in order to really deny him fully and completely, he actually sits down and makes nice with the very people who are bad-mouthing Jesus. What does the prophet David said? Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Be very careful when you begin to walk in the path of the ungodly. Solomon was absolutely correct that bad Morals will corrupt good company. If you begin to walk the direction of the enemy, you're going to eventually hang out and stand around with them. And if you hang out and stand around with them, pretty soon you're going to get tired of standing. You're going to sit down and see what they have to say. So be careful because Peter got into this situation because he would not listen to the word of the Lord, which is, Don't follow me, Peter. And then he finds himself in these situations that he never dreamt that he would be in. And in fact, did he not vehemently say to the Lord himself, I will never deny you. The reason that Peter is in the situation that he's in is because he walked where he shouldn't walk, he stood where he shouldn't stand, and he sat where he shouldn't sit. Be careful. Because little steps can lead you a long ways away from the Lord. You talk to people that maybe you're having a difficulty with drugs or alcohol or maybe relationships. Without exception, when I have sat down and counseled with people, they will all be able to point back to a certain point in time where a single bad decision was the first step the wrong way. You see... There are results to our compromise. There were in Peter's life, and you can see them very clearly. What happens with Peter? He has to tell one lie after another lie after another lie because he was, in fact, one of Jesus' disciples. Amen? So he's actually stone-cold lying about that fact. And he doesn't do it once. But because he's done it once, he does it twice. And because he's done it twice, he does it a third time. And pretty soon it becomes a habit. Peter got caught in a web of lies simply because he began to walk the wrong direction. Be careful where you walk. Peter's resistance then begins to break down. And here's the way it happens in your life and mine. You have that opportunity to say, yes, I'm a Jesus freak. And instead you say, well, you know, I don't get carried away. You know, I go to church sometimes, kind of, every once in a while. You know, when I don't, there's no good football game on. 
Um, kind of like the one that will be this afternoon where the Raiders are playing. <laughs> you, you see, you, you start to make excuses. And instead of saying, I love Jesus, I'm going to church because I love Jesus, it's like, well, you know, I don't have anything else to do. You see, that little tiny twist is enough to set you walking the wrong direction. And then before you know it, you have to keep track of all these things that you've said. And so Peter's resistance begins to break down, and he begins, according to Matthew's gospel, to curse and swear. Now, let me help you understand that. He literally begins to use foul language. And he follows it by swearing, breaking the third commandment, basically saying, look, man, in Yahweh's name, I wasn't there. You see, after you deny the Lord a couple of times, it gets easier to say even worse things. Well, you know, I don't take this Jesus thing too seriously, but yeah, you know, I kind of go to church every once in a while. And then pretty soon... When you've invested in that relationship for six months or a year, nah, I don't need to go to church. Church is a crutch, it's for weaklings. Amen? That's where you can end up. That's what compromise does. That tangled web of trouble, those things that come into your life and into my life that are always painfully negative, begin with a single step in the wrong direction. And then you stand in a place you shouldn't stand, and then you sit with people you shouldn't be associating with. And then those consequences start to get woven into the fabric of your life. You see, Peter did not think that he would ever even deny the Lord. But after the first time, the second time was easier. And the third time was more pronounced. And then the enemy comes on Peter like nobody's business. And the condemnation and the fear and the doubt and all of the things that Peter never thought he would experience, he experienced. Overcome. And all of a sudden, these plans just overwhelm him and he's he's dead in the middle of it basically a little servant girl puts peter on trial be careful where you walk be careful where you stand and absolutely be careful where you sit because it can lead you to places that you don't want to go as a believer when someone asks you whether you're a follower of Christ, it should be, I'm a stone-cold Jesus freak. And I realize maybe to some of you that's like, well, that's just way too much. I'm sorry, but, you know, I can't do that. But you can at least tell them that you love the Lord. Amen? You can say, he died for me. I'm going to live for him. Amen? Seriously. Couldn't Peter have said that? Peter's in the garden. He goes from boldness to absolute denial in a matter of two hours. Two hours. From I'll die 
to I'm not dying for you. Be careful. This is the beginning of six trials that Jesus is going to undertake. All of them are a sham. All of them are nonsense. No charge is going to be brought. No witnesses. All the basic things that are needed in a, in a court, either Jewish or Roman. doesn't matter which side you go to. These things were all necessary. And while we can pick on the Romans for everything that was done that was negative, um, they actually brought peace to most of the world as was known then. They brought the Pax Romana. And along with it, a judicial system that allowed for you to have testimony that was presented in your behalf in court. You had to have, at a minimum, at least two witnesses brought forward that could verify any facts that were in the case that you were charged with. There had to be two. If there was only one thrown out automatically, there's none. Not a single accuser. Nobody's brought a legitimate charge against Jesus. And yet he was pronounced guilty before the trial even stood. They've already told us what they're after. We want this man dead. As you look at this, Jesus answers, look, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple. I was where the Jews always meet. In secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me these things? All you've got to do is talk to any of these people that heard me teach. Have them pick out a single thing and let them bring a charge is basically what Jesus is saying. Here's the amazing thing about all of this. Jesus' testimony had been rejected before he ever gave it. And that was exactly what Scripture said would happen to Messiah. Every bit of this was completely according to God's plan. Every bit of it. Isaiah 45, verse 19, I have not spoken in secret. 686 years before this particular day, at a minimum, the prophet Isaiah, speaking of the coming Messiah, the coming one, says about him, I have not spoken in secret in the dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. What does Jesus say? I've spoken nothing in secret. Where did Jesus teach? In the synagogues, the temple, the steps of the temple, all around the temple, across the street from the temple. He spoke at the Pharisees. He spoke at the Sadducees. He spoke it before the Sanhedrin. He didn't say a single thing in hidden, in, that was hidden. It's exactly what we were to expect of the coming Messiah. And so that's what he said. He doesn't deny any of it. Jesus absolutely came to speak forth that truth. So what happens when he speaks these things? Because those who were listening, who were the Jewish religious leaders, knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, I've spoke nothing in secret because they're going, the prophet Isaiah said that about Messiah. Now he's claiming that too. So what did they do? What's their response? They smack him in the face. They get judged again. Micah chapter 5. 
Verse 1, now gather together your troops, for he's laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel on the cheek with a rod. Another nail in the coffin of the Jewish religious leaders and of Pilate and everyone. It's like everything they do is saying, Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords. Paul would experience the same trouble, the same exact situation in his own life. But guess what? He responded in anger. He corrected it. But there in Acts chapter 23, he's falsely accused and he comes unglued. Not Jesus. And as Jesus undergoes these things, by the time we get to Isaiah chapter 52, the latter half, and all of Isaiah 53 you begin to see that Jesus is doing exactly what Messiah is here to do. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich in his death. Where did they want to bury Jesus? In the cemetery of the criminals. They wanted to throw his body on the ash heap of Hinnom. Where does he end up? In a rich man's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. Every single step along the way was foretold hundreds of years before it happened. And were there any way that the Jewish religious leaders could have kept these things from happening, that is exactly what they would have done because they know every single one of these things said Jesus is Messiah. But because he had done no violence, how much violence had Jesus done? None. Unless you include healing people on the Sabbath being violent. Feeding 5,000 people at once, being violent. Causing blind people to see, violent. Causing a lame man, maybe a lame man walking. Maybe that's violent in somebody's book. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure he did no violence. Nor was any deceit found in his mouth. That's one verse of Isaiah 53, verse 9. Every step along the way, Jesus is reminding us, I'm Messiah. I'm not going to strike you back. Can you imagine what God the Father was thinking the moment that hand was raised to slap his son? I'm like, well, that arm's coming off. It's not going to get all the way to Jesus. It's just going to go the other way and kind of fly into the bushes. If I'm God, that's what's happening. But because Isaiah would go on to say the chastisement for our peace is upon him. By his stripes we would be healed. Here Jesus is setting the stage to take those blows for you and for me. It was all part of the plan. And here's what happens to poor Annas. He's totally getting worked by Jesus and Jesus is saying nothing. Every step along the way, Annas is going, man, I'm losing I'm bringing out my big guns and my big guns are not firing any bullets. And so he's going to send him off rather than be embarrassed. Sends him to Caiaphas now, his son-in-law, who's actually the high priest. To wrap this up for us today, your trial like Peter is going to come. might come today. But it surely will come. 
It might be in a conversation, maybe in your office. It might come with your children, maybe your family. We're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, though you can't actually tell that from the stores right now. We have a lot to be thankful for. People that maybe you don't normally see very often are going to come to your house and you're going to have an opportunity to proclaim that the blessings on your table are blessings from the Lord Most High. Amen? Or you can say, rub-a-dub-dub, thank you for the grub. God bless you, let's eat. (laughs) Or you can actually pray a prayer that thanks Christ Jesus, your Lord, for the greatest gift you've ever received, the greatest provision, which is his life for yours. Amen? You see, so you're going to get a chance to cause people to know that you're not denying Jesus. It is Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. And no one can get to Father God except through him. So when you leave Jesus out of the equation and you just talk about God, you've done a disservice to Jesus. You ever think about that? Because it's easy to talk about God. And God could be your dogs to some people. God could be the earth itself to some people. God could be tree spirits. God could be Buddha, God could be Allah, God could be lots of things. Who did Peter deny? He denied Jesus. It's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It is believing in Jesus Christ that he is Lord that saves, amen? Amen. So don't fall prey to Peter's trial. When you have opportunity, speak the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we confess, I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And we as a church want to make you, Jesus, known to this world. And so we pray that you'd strengthen us when we have opportunity to speak your name. Lord, would we not pull back? Would we not cower because we think somebody's going to think us strange? We are strange. Your word says so. Your word says we're out of our minds for the sake of Christ. And we boldly declare that that's exactly who we are. We are Jesus freaks. And so, Lord, we pray that your name would ever be on our lips. That when people ask us about the hope that lies within us, that we would boldly speak your name. And God, we thank you for the other side of this story, which we know is coming because we've read your word. But there is grace for Peter and there's grace for us in our failures. We know Peter's going to be restored. And God, we we just ask that you'd help us to be faithful to you. That we would speak forth the word of truth when we have opportunity. God, we'd never walk down that road of disobedience, rebellion. Lord, help us to guard our steps. Help us to choose wisely those places that we will stand. And Lord of heaven, help us to never sit with the enemy. 
Lord, let us not give any quarter to the enemy when he comes into our lives seeking to devour and destroy. Lord, would we resist exactly as James would write to us, Lord. Because we know if we'll resist, he'll flee. And so, God, would you bless us? Lord, would you fill us with your spirit? And I pray right now if there's anyone in this room that has yet to to make that public profession of faith as we close this service, that they would walk from this room into the prayer room and invite you, Jesus, into their lives. Lord, it's as simple as professing that they're sinners who need a Savior and inviting you in. And so, Lord, we bless you today. Let us speak your name, Jesus, and never deny you. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen, amen.